Halison. Welcome to the Halison Games Cast. My name is Jeffrey Morris. This is episode 115. Joining me here today, my fire team brother, Nathan Wagner. How's it going, N-Swag? It is going. I haven't jumped off any cliffs lately, so, you know, it's encouraging. <laughs> uh, sorry for all those of you who don't play Destiny and don't know Nathan's uh, notorious uh, infamy in that game where... Well, basically, he's known in our actually, clan as actually, just the guy who falls off. So, stage. so actually, I want to clarify. <laughs> I'm just really bad at jumping in all video games. It's not just Destiny. That's true. Like, it just carried think over. About Super Mario Brothers three and the fish, and you know. When you're playing Mario, though, it's using the sanctity and privacy of your own home when you when you stink. Yes, exactly. I'm not playing with other people who just <laughs> point and laugh. <laughs> well, because when you're doing a raid, you're there with six people, and you have to jump through, and we're just all waiting for Nathan. Exactly. It's made for a lot of good times. So. There's been people in our Destiny clan, Nathan, I don't know if you know this, but they, who've never played with you, like, they they play a lot, and then they, they know who you are, just like, oh yeah, that guy N-swagged it, like, it's, you, they just kind of know. People I've never met, they know or talked to, no, no, use my name as a verb. Exactly, so, uh, anyways, thank you for joining us here today, we're going to be talking all about topics and questions that uh, you, the listeners, uh, gave us, so uh, thank you to everyone who submitted questions and topics and ideas, we got... Um, a lot of different responses that we'll be kicking into for our main segment today. But uh, before we do that, um, we do have a couple news stories we wanted to get out. There's been a lot of games that have come out this week. Uh, I know Starlink has come out. It's like the Star Fox game for Switch. And, um, you know, we've still been playing Mario Party. And um, I think Red Dead comes out Call of Duty week. came out last Friday. Yeah, Call of Duty, Duty's here. That, that new Blackout mode looks really, really fun. I've been watching clips. And I'm like, I'm not a Call of Duty guy, but... I really wish I could play, Every, basically try out this everything new mode. I've I've looked at or seen about it is everyone's like this is the most polished um, battle royale mode yeah. that has come out because it has Activision and Call of Duty behind it and so they have hundreds of people to just work really hard and make it yeah um, really fun and not have any glitches or bugs and exactly like, like from day one it's been pretty good and I was talking to one of my friends who's a big uh, COD fan and he's he was impressed just by saying hey you know. They've even done a bunch of updates and changes to it from even when they had the beta a few weeks ago, and uh, it's pretty cool to see you know that they're already working to make that better. So yeah, um, yeah. Let us know. Are, are you playing uh, Black Ops Four, and are you enjoying the new Blackout mode? We'd love to uh, get you guys feedback. You can always find us on Twitter at Haylisten underscore Games. Well, anyways, let's jump straight into our uh, main new segment, um, Pokemon Let's Go. I'm. This is a game I'm excited for, but I'm starting to also get conflicted. Uh, about whether or not I should purchase this game. Um, basically, this week, Nintendo has started to kind of unveil the curtain and be a little more open about what to expect in this game. They they did a couple interviews with kind of talking about the game and also the future of the Pokemon series. I don't know if you saw, but they said it was interesting because they said when they were first making this game, they were experimenting with a more photorealistic uh, version of Pokemon. <laughs> and they kind of were like, decided on, hey, no, we're going for this kind of more cutesy vibe they wanted the to make it really style, well yeah. and they wanted to make it really inviting for casual and new players obviously with i think they're, the they're trying go to try in the pokemon go yeah. people and so they said this style will be more inviting to people yeah like i'm i'm pretty sure most of the models realistic most yeah. of the models in the game were probably they look very similar pulled. from yeah. yeah to the pokemon go models. exactly but i mean the part that really gets me excited you know you can drag and drop over like assets from pokemon go like that's whatever but like the music in this game is completely like reorchestrated themes of every single like memorable like Game Boy Red and Blue theme. I'm just hearing like, you know, the bike theme and like Lieutenant Surge's theme and like the SS Ann is played with like the guitars and the, the violins. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it sounds so good. Like yeah. my childhood is orchestrated. So I, I'm just might buy the game just to like listen to the music alone because it, it sounds amazing. But um well, the, the big part that we want to talk about uh, today was that they kind of talked a little bit more about the co-op mode, which, you know, was a feature we've known about since they announced this game. Um, and basically, they've confirmed that the co-op is basically an easy mode or easier difficulty for the game. Uh, meaning, if, let's say I'm playing Pokemon Let's Go, Nathan, you wanted to join me, you grab the other Joy-Con, you know, you hop right in there, pick up and play. Um, but the game doesn't scale the difficulty at all. So, let's say I'm doing a trainer battle against, you know, uh, enemy Pikachu. Um, I'm using my Geodude. You then just get access to my library of Pokemon. You pick one of my other six Pokemon in my party. You then throw it out as well. And then we now do two attacks 
every time they do one attack and essentially just doubles your firepower and just makes it so you can kind of blow through battles and make the game significantly this, easier. It doesn't, I mean, doesn't change anything. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me because I think originally I was like, ooh, if they did co-op, it would be cool if it, they basically made it almost like a, one of those double battles that they introduced in yeah, exactly. or whatever, where at least there's two Pokemon out, you're each focusing on one. That would be an easy, seem like an easy way to solve there's that more issue. more strategy. More strategy involved, etc. But I was like, they're not going to put in the effort or the work or whatever to make the Pokemon like have higher HP levels or, or whatnot. And so this confirmation kind of just confirms my worst fears i guess um and it, it, it's 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 it makes sense but it's also that really it's more sad casual or like what is your worst fear here i i was i was i guess i was hoping that maybe it would you would i, I was hoping that i would be able to play through the game mm-hmm. along with my wife at the same yeah. time and yeah. we could both enjoy it and have fun same here. and not have the thing where i'm like i want to play on my file and she's like no i want to play on my file because i want to experience the game for myself yeah and not just have it be super easy. It's looking like that is going to be the case, though. Like, you're going to have to pick one person's the file. Then the other person just is generic trainer B that comes in and just, you know, runs around yeah. with you. It's not, you know, merging your two save files together. And you're playing as your character. I'm playing as mine. Exactly. Which, you're right. It, it does kind of stink. And, I mean, I don't know. It's it It's disappointing to see that that difficulty doesn't scale. Now... Um, Nintendo has also said that there will be 151 post-game master trainers um, for a challenge. So, you know, does th- each one of them have like only one Pokemon? Like, yes. It starts out with yes, literally. Is that literally the case? Liter- I didn't actually look. How at the how it works is that you will find a master trainer for every Pokemon in the game. So you know, from Caterpie to Mewtwo, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, basically, if you find the Caterpie master, he's going to have an insanely powerful Caterpie. And you have to beat him in a battle with your very own insanely powerful. Oh, you Caterpie. can only use you can, it's a one v one v one with each specific Pokemon against that battle. And basically, if you beat it, you get like a title that says like you're a Caterpie Master or Pikachu Master. Or whatever. I am it so is. excited for the Metapod Master <laughs> Trainer battle. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, I guess that's kind of cool because you do have a little bit more to do. Um, but like you said, it is like, wait, I have to like grind out a Metapod <laughs> to like yeah. level 80 to beat this or something? I mean, I, I th- that sounds like a cool touch. Like, I think it's an interesting thing to make it not just you can use your whole team. Mm-hmm. It gives you a reason to kind of level up and maybe use kind of when you're playing through Pokemon, you kind of get your set team of like <laughs> six to Expand 12 beyond people or six, something like that that you kind of like yeah. and use and stuff like that. So it forces you to have that variation, which is nice. Um, I think this is, this is a cool move. But at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, some Pokemon, you're like, oh, yeah, I really, really want to get, like, like you said, a Caterpie or even something like a... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, my favorite Pokemon, like, I'm totally going to do this, right? Like, I want to be... You're going to do the Charizard one, I want to be right? a Charizard yeah. Master. I want to be a Mewtwo Master. I want to be a Magikarp Master. <laughs> oh, but, like, I'm not going to be... I'm, I'm going to be Lapras Master. That, that's go. my only exactly. goal. But, like, you know, you're not going to be doing this for every Pokemon probably yeah. unless you're... Unless crazy. you're very, I, I'm hardcore. just gonna try to probably catch all the Pokemon, and that'll be like. Do you my know? Completion. Have they like confirmed that they have like a local battle where you can have two players do almost like a Pokemon sta- Stadium style battle? Have they talked about it? That um, I don't think they've confirmed that for <sighs> local play, but I'm guessing it will be there on the online side of it. I just really want that for local. Like, I w- just want really cool. a Pokemon Stadium. Now that experience. you say that, I'm like, oh like, my gosh, that would be so great. Having that experience on one console would be super cool. But yeah. Then again, I know we're probably both going to end up getting this game at some point. Yeah, and yeah. We'll probably I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure play we'll battle it against each other. But, but that, would be, um, that would be a nice test. So yeah, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think about uh, Pokemon Let's Go. Are you excited? <laughs> or is it um, maybe a little too casual? Are you going to be waiting for the mainline game that comes out next year with all the new Pokemon? So, um, Anyways, our next news also has to do with Nintendo Switch. And uh, there is a new rumor that came out uh, this last week uh, from the Japanese Wall Street Journal talking about a new version of the switch coming so nathan uh, what is what is this all about this is this like a switch 2 is it a minor revision so basically we don't know anything for sure yet but the rumor is basically the wall street journal was like hey we've talked to nintendo suppliers and kind of product people who make the switch and they have said nintendo is planning on releasing a new switch variation next year um the rumor is possibly like with a new better quality uh lcd screen mm. and um, so it'd be like by better, do you mean like 
Higher resolution, brighter. I think brighter. Um, maybe like a 1080p screen or something like that. Okay, the, yeah. the seven, the one so, on the current switch. So is a only 1080p, 720p. so better resolution. Yeah, we. I I don't know for sure. I I think the details are really sketchy on this. I just kind of wanted to bring it up as a yeah point because um and like, have a little conversation about it yeah. because in the past we've seen Nintendo obviously iterate and iterate and iterate on their handheld consoles. We had. The Nintendo 3DS, the I've, 3DS XL, the I've 2DS, lost track of how many the DS Lite, DS's are you know, out there. the DS Lite, the DSi, yeah. the original DS. Like, it's insane how much Nintendo has iterated on their handheld on their um, kind of more home consoles. Um, hasn't really happened. It hasn't really happened. It happened with the Wii. Like, they released that weird the, like the Wii Mini, yeah, the Mini Wii. And but that was also a system that sold over 100 million units. Yes, yeah, so it sold a ton. <laughs> so, so it makes sense. Yeah. But I just think I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts. What do you think about this? Do you think it'll be like some people are like, oh, maybe it'll be like a, it'll include 4K support or it'll be more powerful or something, yeah. something like that. Do you um, think that? If there is any validity validity to this rumor and we are getting a revision next year, which, you know, it would be about two years after the Switch originally came out. Um, I think it is, like you said, it would be a different screen. Maybe hit 1080p in handheld mode, uh, but I don't think it's really going to be that much of a performance boost. Yeah. I, honestly, I think it'd be more something like, hey, this is a different type of screen that maybe looks a little bit brighter so it looks better um, and maybe more energy efficient. So, like, the battery life will be longer uh, the, for a variety so of the, reasons. The other part I forgot to mention is the reason Nintendo wants to do this, according to the rumor, is because the Switch sales have not snag- stagnated completely but have kind of – they're not selling at the crazy numbers they were last mm-hmm. year. And so Nintendo's like – well, we want to be prepared for that. Keep selling Switches, and so... Smash Bros. has not come coming, out yet. <laughs> yeah, Smash Bros. and Pokemon, like, the two biggest yeah. games of the year, aren't coming out until the very end of the year, so I yeah. think that, that makes sense with the software that Nintendo has put out in 2018 compared yeah. to last year, but... Yeah. I I think... Um, I, mean, I, I really what, what would you see, What would you want from this? Like, I don't... I don't... I mean, at one hand, I'm like, it'd be nice to see a more powerful console, but I don't think Nintendo wants to split the market. No. And for someone like me, who I bought a Switch at launch, like, if Nintendo is putting out a more powerful thing, and even if they make just, like, two or three games for mm. it that are only for this new Switch, I think that would kind of hurt a lot of fans and yeah. have... It would bring a lot of backlash against that. So I, I don't think it's that. I think, like you said, it might be a little bit better screen. Just get some really, really hardcore people to jump on and be like, hey, buy mm. this new thing. I mean, and they, they've kind of already handicapped themselves with screen size already because they can't make the Switch any bit really bigger with how big the Joy-Cons are. Like, you, you don't want to have someone say, hey, you know, your old Joy-Con aren't going to work with this new one because the screen's way bigger and it's not going to fit on the new model. Yeah, so, like, exactly, they, exactly. They can get rid of the bezel, I guess, but, like, really, they can't really change the, they can't change the, size, the size or model. Or, so for it'll sure, probably be something sure. like the PS4 Slim where they exactly. say, hey, you know, we're taking the old models There's, off the maybe market. Maybe there'll be a little bit more better. storage in it. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe, et maybe a little bit more of that, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they're gonna cram a lot more processing or 4K ability in there. I mean, just looking at how big my PS4 Pro is, which you know came out a couple of years ago, but I don't see how you could put that much power into that small of a device. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, so great. If you don't, don't be worried about this. I think we'll just have to wait and see, and I'm sure it'll, there'll be some announcement sometime next year. Yeah. Um, so. We were right. PlayStation Network is officially getting name changes. Yeah, this this news dropped, I think, like a day or two after we recorded the episode last week. But we talked about the rumor last week. and It was true all it's along. It's true. Sony is planning PlayStation Network name changes. Um, they outlined the first time you change it, it will be free. After that, I believe it's $10 if you're not a PS Plus subscriber, $5 if you are a PS Plus subscriber. Which is good because then you're not going to have some random person in your front list changing their name every, like, Five yeah, minutes. every like <laughs> week or every month or something like that, they're changing their name. So I think it, it's good. Um, they basically said almost all of the are the games on PS4 will support this, but obviously they couldn't get every single game that's come out in the last five, four mm-hmm. or five years, however long the PS4 well, is out, to I, confirm that the statement they put out does kind of worry me. Like, obviously, we don't know. Um, we don't know exactly how it's going to work. They said it's going to launch in a beta, and they're going to slowly roll it's it out. It's launching in a beta, I believe, in November, and then it's supposed to officially launch early 2019 is what they said. Yeah, but like the statement basically said, hey, you know, it's not going to work with all games. It's guaranteed to work with any game that's come out after April 2018, which is like anything that's come out after God of War, I guess. Yeah. But most of my PS4 games came out before that, 
and I'm thinking of like all my PS3 games and stuff too. Like if I switch my name, are there going to be games that just flat out don't work? And like, I'm really curious to see if that's just well, a blanket statement. They, like, Hey, maybe there's one game that won't work. Or if it's like, Oh, sorry, you can no longer play no, I, destiny I, one because of this. I like, think they did say like, if the, the game doesn't support it or I don't remember the exact wording, but basically like it will it. have your old, PSN name kind of next to oh, your, okay. your other thing. I must have misread so, it. I thought it said you were, it would just like lock you out until you like changed it back. No, I I don't think it locks you out until you change I it sure back. Don't. So so <laughs> that's good. I th- I think probably most big third party games like Destiny and Overwatch. Mm. I'm sure they're probably yeah. all will. It'll okay just be. That. More the smaller kind of indie developers. Just I get worried when I see an, an asterisk and rolling out in beta. I'm like, they still haven't worked out the kinks in this name change thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But but good for Sony. Nice. Yeah. It'll be nice. Are, to have Are you, you going to change your name and swag? Uh, my wife wants me to change my name to Mister Humble Turtle. Her her PSN <laughs> name is that Humble Turtle, and she's like she started referring to me as Mister Turtle. So. I don't know. We'll see. And swag is kind of terrible, but at this point, it's it's become a verb that yeah. people use. So it, I feel like classic. I have to keep it. She should become Mrs. N Swag, if anything. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, our, our last big news piece uh, this week is probably the biggest one is um, Rockstar Games, developer of Grand Theft Auto and a little game called Red Dead Redemption 2, um, basically had a, a lot of flack coming at them this week because... Uh, basically, came out in an interview. Was it the CEO or one of, one of the head? head I, I I don't remember who it was exactly. It was someone who's top level at, at Rockstar. Yeah. Well, one of the head guys doing a basically an interview for for the press uh, was talking about how how proud he was of his team for working hard on the game and how everyone's very dedicated and they're so dedicated that they've been working hundred hour work weeks and it's been great for everyone on the team and they're really crunching to finish the game and everyone kind of saw this and said, "Why are you proud that?" 900 employees have been working a hundred hour plus work week. Like that's not healthy. That's not good. You've been developing this game for seven years. Hopefully you would think management would be able to figure out how to make a quality game without ruining people's social lives. Um, and so basically the story is still kind of developing, but he came out with a clarified statement saying that, Oh, I wasn't talking about the whole team. It was just a small team of like us five writers and it was like only for five four short team. And yeah, but a lot of people are kind of saying, well, this problem still exists. He, he said we would never force people to work a hundred hours. Like it's totally just people who are passionate about the game um, and are letting their passion s- flow into their life so much that they're, they want to be working this much on the game is basically what he implied. Yeah. And you know, we we're friends with a lot of game developers and like we were talking with some people on Twitter about this even today. And just, this is just something that's prevalent in the game industry in general. Like, Every development team, pretty much anyone who's worked in the industry has, you know, been part of a, a crunch where they've had to work extra hours, maybe sleep at work, you know, eat tons of crappy pizza every single day for a week and, you know, just deteriorate not only social life, but also health and different things along that go with that. And um, I think the crazy thing about this is it seemed like he was very proud that they're crunching and putting in a hundred hours, which is not healthy for really anyone to be doing. And I did a little more research. I didn't know this originally, but rockstar came under a lot of pressure back on the release of the original red dead, where a large majority of the spouses of rockstar employees signed basically a letter and put out a statement saying, Hey, you're working our spouses way too much. We don't see them. We don't see them at all. Like their kids, their wives, their families miss them. This isn't healthy. You need to change this. It's not right for you to be, you know, making your employees work this much. And so this is kind of like, I guess, a pattern for for Rockstar, but well, really just an statement has of been the a, industry as a whole. This has been a developing thing for, and the conversation about how much um, work developers put in, how much overtime work and even unpaid overtime they put into uh, games has been a conversation that's been, been developing for the last couple of years. One of the... The biggest lead, you know, video game investigative journalist, Jason Schreier at Kotaku, um, he's talked a lot about how he really thinks this is bad and video games need unions and all this stuff to protect workers' rights. Mm. Um, Because you have basically no protection. Yeah, no, when I I read it, it was really interesting reading his his Blood, Sweat, and Pixels book that he put out last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Reading through that, a lot of it was just talking about how, like, periods of time, how overworked 
each of those he interviewed like 10 different studios all the way from like the one guy who made stardew valley all the way up to like huge studios like bungie working on death the original Mm -hmm. destiny and stuff like that and all of those people talked about how they went through kind of crazy insane periods of crunch so at this point the video game industry is built on that and it seems like it's really hard to change that culture because that's basically how almost everyone finishes finishes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think we I've... look at um, an example I've I've heard is uh, so the Media Molecule who's developing Dreams and that mm-hmm. game got announced the original PS4 conference yeah. very long time ago, long long time ago. Still and doesn't have a been like date. this game still isn't out yet. What's the matter? And they did an interview recently and were like, we do not believe in making our employees work overtime or do crunch or anything like that, and we're basically just going to keep making the game and put it out when it's ready. And so the narrative of these um hey this is terrible and developers you know you're making them work overtime and be away from their families and stuff like that goes is directly adverse to the narrative of why is this game taking so long to come out why do you keep delaying it etc etc and we're kind of gamers and the media in general are kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth and saying mm. don't do this but also we don't like this and don't have you to have dare some conclusion yeah, don't you dare uh delay the release of red dead again right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and when you kind of pull back you're like wait there are you know hundreds of employees who are literally like having a terrible time in their social lives and their families are getting you know not to see them and stuff all because they're working overtime on making a anatomical accuracies with all the different animals and horses and and red dead which seems ridiculous when you say it that way but um i i think you like you said it is just kind of an industry problem where the safeguards there aren't unions and all those things in there where you think of even just something like um the film and tv industry right that's another big part of the entertainment industry which doesn't make nearly as much as video games do and all those people are part of unions and have safeties uh, and guidelines and things, and you know they they have set dates for movies that they have to make, but all those employees and movies part of production teams and actors and directors, everyone they're all you know working together, and I'm sure there are times where maybe they do work over and stuff like yeah. that, but it's not an industry wide problem where hey, as soon as you're you know done with this project, like see you later and stuff like that. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, that is, I think, the sad reality where there's 900 employees working on. Red Dead, and when the game is over, it's not great. It's you, like you earned yourself eight hundred of, of them downtime. are see you later, and we'll keep the core one hundred people or two hundred or what you know whatever it is. Exactly, and so it's just kind of a, a really bad situation, and yeah. it's sad to see. And you know, hopefully, I think what I hope is just this brings more light, and we do start to see an industry wide change. Yeah. But the sad thing the, to me the, is Rockstar is like. They made how many billion dollars off Red well, or the last GTA Five game, and it's like exactly you have the time and money to pay your employees well and to give them, you know, the time and not force them to work overtime. Like if anyone should be able to do it, it should be you. Like exactly. maybe if this it's an independent developer who the... livelihood depends on it, but like sure. Rockstar's not going under. It's no. insane to me that it's this company who's you know known yeah. for it now. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. So. And the other the other quick factor is I don't know if you've ever worked, like, long periods of hours. I think the most I've ever worked in my life is, like, maybe, like, anywhere between 60 to 80 hours. And that's, like, mm-hmm. maybe one for one or two weeks. And even after that, like, I'm just so drained. Mm-hmm. And my work... The quality of your work goes down. The quality of your work mm-hmm. just goes down. And so for these developers to be continually working 80 mm-hmm. hours a week for months, one to two to three <laughs> months, I feel like just their quality of their work and what they're able to accomplish. Like it just continues to add on to how long they have to yeah. develop the game because of that. And there's how many people have left the industry because of this, right? Yes. Like because of these practices and how draining it is and knowing that you don't have the job security and you're going to be asked to do all this extra things that you maybe weren't, you know, wanting to do and stuff. So it's sad to see that's kind of where it is and it's only going to get worse unless, yep. you know, people start taking a stand on it. So Kind of a crazy story, but yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and move on into our second segment today. I've been looking forward to this. We're talking all about our listener questions. So our first listener question today comes from at Magical Worker on Twitter. And he was wondering about uh, a good case for his Nintendo Switch. And he basically wanted a case to hold his Nintendo Switch that has a strap, you know, easy to take it around. 
Um, that was, this is actually one of the first purchases I made for my Switch uh, right after launch. I think I waited like three days. I'm like, okay, I don't want to take this thing outside without a case. <laughs> I'm, uh, this is so, you know, I just bought this thing and I really love it. I don't want it to get destroyed or anything. So yeah. um, I really, really like my case. It is the uh, PDP uh, Nintendo Switch Starter Kit Mario case. Um, and so if you were just to type that in uh, Amazon or something, it's uh, $20 on Amazon right now. Um, it's a really nice, simple design. It's all black uh, with red on the front. It's the simple Mario M. So if you're a Mario fan like I am, you know, it was a, a nice little cosmetic design. It's not super over the top. It's pretty pretty simplistic, uh, but it's nice. And then the little uh, zipper has a little coin on it, so I kind of like that. <laughs> nice. um, but, yeah, inside it comes with some goodies, too. It has um, a little pair of Mario headphones and little uh, red, like, Mario uh, Joy-Con kind of, like, holders, too. Um I don't really use the headphones or the Joy-Con holders just because I find them to be a little bulky and not the best quality. Not the best quality. But I bought it for the case, yeah. so it was yeah. just kind of a freebie. But you do get that. It does come with a nice little uh, cleaning cloth to clean the screen, um, little thumbstick holders, which, again, I don't really use those. But And then a little uh, screen protector as well. So um, it's really nice. It has 9 uh, plus 9, so 18 slots. Uh, or excuse me, not 18. There are 12 slots for games inside of the things. Plus, you know, you can have a game in your Switch. So lots of room to hold lots of different cartridges. Um, and, yeah, that would be my recommendation. I really love the one I have. PDP makes really solid uh, accessories for the Switch. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with that. Nathan, what, what's uh, your case? You have the, a Zelda one, right? The one I have is a Zelda one. Um, this is uh, – who is this made by? I um, – Basically, I bought it at Target. Um, when I bought my Switch case originally, it was like I had the similar situation where I bought the Switch. I was like, I don't need a case. And then I was like, no, I need a case. And then <laughs> I was like, I'm going to buy a case. And then you couldn't find them anywhere. So I basically yeah, bought I one that. that I found as soon as I could. Um, it's a Zelda one. It is um, it has a pretty good exterior. Um, some of the, it has like a Zelda design on it. And that has kind of faded a little bit, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really mind that much. But if you're someone who likes the aesthetic look of things, it might um, disappoint you a bit. Um, but inside, basically, you put the switch in. There's a little strap that you strap in so that it doesn't move around or anything like that. It has, uh, like, two different plastic containers that go on the bottom of the switch that you can put up to eight switch games in. And then nice. it has a little zipper to put um, the little Joy-Con rail things in as well and more games if you would like. Yeah. So I, um, I, I found it definitely serviceable. I... Does, it, does it hold totally cartridges works. in there too? Yeah, it holds uh, up to eight cartridges Good. as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely serviceable. Serviceable um, is twenty bucks. Cool. We, we can send the the link. Yeah, we can. To we can send those links to so. you as well. But I think um, the other thing he said is that um, he wanted one with a strap, which I'm not sure if he meant like a big over the shoulder style case. Oh, I've seen a couple yeah. of those around, but I don't have one personally. I don't want a yeah. huge thing. Don't recommend you for my, that. My best thing is. Uh, I love the switch because I can just case because I can put it in my back or I can backpack or I can take it anywhere. Yeah, you can hold it so, with one hand even or anything. I don't want a huge case for it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll post that link on Twitter if you're interested in getting a case. But uh, I think basically the main thing I I just want I would recommend looking for is having a soft interior so it's not gonna. Yeah, you want to make sure it doesn't get scratched. Yeah, you don't want to get scratched or damage it from the inside, and then having more of a harder exterior so like if it does drop or get bumped you know it's going to be, be safe it's going to be safe it's not going to bounce around and rumble in there um that would be the, i think the main thing to look for so yep. yeah thank you for the question all right all right next one we have is from jaeger on twitter and he asked jeff this is for you since you are such a big mario <laughs> fan all right how does mario shoot fire underwater well you see it's a very very simple um equation but um only enlightened uh minds of mr miyamoto-san uh would be able to understand it so i won't bore you with the minutia of the details because it's far too uh complex of a uh equation and uh logistic to explain here on the show okay okay i i i didn't understand any of that but (laughs) you know for you mario fans out there i'm sure you you know exactly what jeff is talking about yep i mean i think they they put mario in a underwater level in the original mario game and said wait he still has the firepower and said whoa you can kill the annoying fish this is awesome we're not taking this out <laughs> i'm totally in for any killing of annoying fish in oh Mario. yeah <laughs> all right next question uh from kyle anthony on twitter he said he'd like to hear some of our cons on open world games such as red dead and assassin's creed odyssey um so obviously open world games are very very frequent and they're getting very very good as well um yes but you know what are some of the kind of cons when 
you look at these games, obviously they usually look pretty amazing, pretty appealing to most gamers, but what is a as a con in these games? What kind of bums you out and I makes mean, you stop playing an open I world game? I think for something like an open world game, especially when it tends to fall into a certain formula, and this is kind of the Ubisoft style of open world game <laughs> where you get to a map, you kind of go and unlock part of the map, you see all of these different icons pop up, and they can be collectibles that you go and collect, side quests and different things, and seeing all of that can kind of get overwhelming. And when... Mm-hmm many games kind of copy and paste that same formula throughout the whole game. It just gets tiresome um, really quickly for me. Yeah. So I, I would agree too. I think one of the cons is when you first start playing the game and you see there's way too many things on the map and you don't know where to go. Like I love a breath of the wild had nothing on the map. Yeah. Like you could go anywhere and you were going to have a good time no matter where you went and it didn't direct you. There wasn't a billion collectibles. Um, I even like how Spider-Man was still pretty directed where the map kind of slowly opens up and adds more collectibles and things to do where to go. Yeah. It doesn't overwhelm you with all that at once, which would be a very terrible design. And so it kind of guides you along as you go. Uh, I also think, you know, horizon zero dawn kind of did that. Um, So I I like it when it's like that, when I just jump in like on Assassin's Creed or something and there's like, you now have 40 different missions to choose from this and this. I just kind of go, I I just get so lost and I find myself doing chores and errands that i'm like this isn't even fun anymore <laughs> and the the other thing i have to say about this is with so many games basically especially triple a games basically kind of copying and pasting the same formula where they're mm. all like hey we have an open world action game with rpg elements um it kind of gets overwhelming to just jump in and continue to play the same you get there and you're like i kind of have felt the same um seen this story before right yeah and so one of the games that i've really enjoyed this year is god of war and one of the biggest reasons I really enjoyed it is, like, for the first, like, four or five hours of that game, it is very direct. You're not in open yeah. world. You're going through these corridors, and it's beautiful, and you can see, but I really appreciated yeah. kind of that breath of fresh air. Exactly. Like, I I want to feel, like, what the game developers wanted me to feel and, like, see the handcrafted kind of route and path and story they wanted me to experience. Sometimes when you open it up, you can kind of lose part of that magic yes. where the quality kind of goes down a little bit. Definitely. So, Definitely. Um, but yeah, good question, Kyle. Um, next one we have is, uh, why do we need to download additional content for a Switch game when we buy a physical copy? <laughs> and this comes from uh, John Nebo, I believe. Was this on Twitter? Or on yeah, it was on Twitter. On Twitter. Yep. And so why like why when you buy a like a physical copy of the switch game do you sometimes have to download well, additional content we, we do live in the year in the time of day one patches like that's an inevitable thing that's like every console um, has that but one. i'm guessing what sparked this is i saw john got starling today yeah and i saw that that game with the physical version he posted that it had a six gig a day one like download um and that's that's insane if you're playing on a switch like that's about a quarter of your internal memory so, already off the bat I have talked about this before, but I bought NBA 2K18 for my Switch last year. Mm-hmm. I ended up just buying... Did you get physical or digital? I bought the digital copy because uh-huh. I saw that if you buy the uh, physical copy, you have to have like a separate 20 gig download that wow. takes up your space on your console outside of the game card. Regardless and the reason basically this is because, yeah. is because Nintendo um, either doesn't support like up to a certain amount of gigs and so the developer says hey we literally can't fit our game onto this card that's why you need to have a separate download or the developer is like hey the more space on these cards the more money they cost us so we're trying to save Mm. money and make more money and so we're gonna pass and we're just gonna have an additional download that you the consumer has to pay even Mm. if you buy the physical and and it's becoming more prevalent with switch games which is kind of sad to see well and if um if you're like me, like you've had your switch for a while, you've gotten a bunch of different games and your memory card and your internal memory is filling up and you're like, mm-hmm. do I even want to get this game? If I have to have an additional, you know, download or whatnot. Yeah. Well, even with, uh, I think it was Mega Man legacy collection two. Um, it only, they basically did a double pack that had both legacy collections in it. Basically the cartridge only had one of the legacy games. And then the other game was just, you had to download separately. Like yeah. it wasn't included on the cartridge. And so I, Honestly, I only really see this with multi-platform games, and that just tells me this is a part of the price you have to pay to get a port on the Switch where, hey, you know, we can put FIFA or 2K or Starlink out on the Switch, but since it was designed from the ground up really on other consoles that did more and stuff to optimize it down below, we it's still going to require that download that you're not used to seeing with Switch cartridges because 
every game that I've gotten that's an exclusive like Switch game, like there's yeah, there hasn't exactly, been that. It's, exactly. It's those those multi-platform port games that are doing it. So, so if you want everything on Switch and you want ports to come, this is just kind of a sad reality of yeah. that. At least for the AAA games, it's not yeah. going to happen with your smaller games. But yeah. AAA games, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a sad expectation. But cool. Next question. Um, so this one comes from Horizon Omen. This is uh, from our Discord, actually, um, which you can join if you uh, look up our show info. We got a link to our Discord on there. Um, he says, how far do you force yourself to play a game before giving yourself permission to play something else? Which I know we've kind of talked a little bit on the show before, um, but Horizon even gave the example. He said, you know, last year I was playing through like Assassin's Creed and Witcher 3 and like three other games all at the same time. I was about, you know, three quarters away through all of them. And I never really finished any of them, but I just had gotten to a certain point and wasn't sure, you know, when Where I should you were like, move I on. think I've gotten this experience and I'm kind of done with the game. Yeah, and I think that's really the heart of the question where what is it that you want out of the game and have you have you gotten that yet? Um, I, I kind of posted my response in Discord where basically what I said was, you know, for me, Zelda Breath of the Wild was an amazing experience. I loved every second of it. But I got to the point after 85 hours where I was like, I've kind of seen everything I want to see in this world. I haven't seen everything yet, but I was kind of ready to kind of start moving on to some other games. And once I kind of moved on, I kind of cherished my memory of the game. I'm like, you know, it was great, but I kind of have seen everything I wanted to see for the most part. And so when a game like Mario Odyssey came out, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this game is so much fun. It doesn't require me to play 80 or over 100 hours to see everything in this game. So I can 100% this game, which I totally want to do. It's only going to take me about 45 or 50 hours. Yeah. Um, a couple of games I've done that with. In the last couple of years, I think of Horizon Zero Dawn, I did that. Spider-Man, I've done that. So, like, only really a few really big, like, AAA games um, you can really do this with because games are getting so big and they take forever. So, you really have to choose. If you are going to go all the way through a game, it's got to be a game you're so in love with and that you do want to see every inch of it. And it's keeping you well, excited. And for me, like, I, I don't think I've ever actually hundred percent at a game in my life like i've never gotten every single trophy and gotten a platinum trophy mm-hmm. in a big open world game so or when do you like give that. yourself permission to so kind of move on? i give myself permission if it's a game that i'm enjoying i usually say i want to beat the main story see the credits roll and be like now i feel like i've accomplished that and i can move on to something else but at the same time there's certain games where i'm like I enjoyed this. I had fun. I haven't even beaten the game. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. I'm kind of out on it. And an example of something like that is Horizon Zero Dawn. I played, like, I think 15 hours of that. Really enjoyed my time. And I've always been like, oh, I'm going to go back and finish that. I'm going to go back and finish that. But the nature of games, especially, like, action games and stuff like that, is you kind of learn how the controls work and learn what you're doing. And it's really hard to jump back in after being Sometimes gone it's intimidating for, for sure. six months and be like, how do I play this again? What was I doing? What mm. quest was I trying to? Like, where where am I in the story? Et cetera, et cetera. And so for a game like Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm kind of just made peace with either, I think I'm probably not going to go back and play that uh-huh. game. If I do, I'm probably going to just have to restart the entire yeah. game. Like, I, I got the DLC the for that game, and I got it kind of so far after the fact. Like, like you said, I'm like, oh, I should probably go back and play that DLC. But... I've kind of already finished everything I wanted from that game. So it's kind of this weird situation where I'm not sure if I'm going to go back and finish it. I'm sure I will at some point, but. um, And I think like we used to have a a segment on the show called Nathan's backlog where I literally talk about like different games that I've played over the years that I never finished. And I'm like, I intend to go back to those. And I think like kind of giving yourself more grace and being like, if you feel like you you've enjoyed the experience and gotten your money's worth, Mm -hmm. then there's so many, so much other stuff going on in life, so many other good games to play and enjoy. Don't feel like you have to go back and force yourself to play something uh-huh. that you're done with or you're not enjoying. It's especially difficult in today's uh, day and age because with all the online games and like multiplayer games and games as a service, like I am probably going to be consistently playing those throughout the year, you know. Yeah, like you're playing you're playing Destiny 2 yeah. like maybe what 5 hours a week or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm that. I'm playing Destiny regularly. I'll jump in and do a couple Rock League matches. You know, I'll probably play a couple games of Fortnite every month, maybe jump into Overwatch, you know, Splatoon, these different games yeah. like that were kind of required to just keep on playing and those are fun chill games that you can play and that's going to cut into your time of deep, going deeper of going into, deep into a the, single player especially game. Especially a single player game yeah. where it's designed to have all these different challenges and developers wanting yeah, to play their exactly. games. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it is uh, tough. It, it can be tough to, you know, 
move on and figure out which games you want to prioritize. But um, that is the beauty, I will say. Shout out to Microsoft. Xbox Game Pass. That's the beauty of yeah. that. I played like three games on Game Pass the other night this week. And it was great. I played one I've been wanting to try for a while. It was an indie game called Dandara. I played it for about 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, that was really cool. And then I'm like, it was cool. I'm going to move on. I deleted it. And I'm probably not going to play it again, but I got to try it. Yeah. Um, same with the Halo Master Chief Collection. I played a little bit of Halo 2. Wanted to see what that looked like. I really liked, played one or two missions. Played a match of multiplayer. You know, kind of rele- relived uh, the nostalgic for a little bit and said, I got what I kind of wanted out of this. And Horizon, Forza Horizon 4, I was planning on doing the same thing, but I really stuck and I just keep on playing it. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's a really cool thing about a service like that where you have a lot of options. Yeah, I think in general... Play a game until you're not having fun with it anymore. And if you're not having fun with it anymore, move on. Yeah, don't force yourself to play <laughs> it. Um, great. All right. So, Vaughn Hunter asks, has any game released so far this year that has met or surpassed your expectations? Um, and maybe how about the opposite? On the flip side, is there any game that came out that did not meet your expectations? Um, I'll start off by saying Spider-Man exceeded my expectations. That's right. You thought we were going to go a whole week without me recommending Spider-Man, <laughs> but you were wrong, listeners. Um, I I had high expectations for that game, and I tried not to get too too hyped and too uh, too high on my expectations because I didn't want to be disappointed. And I was just pleasantly surprised uh, on pretty much every part of that game. So yeah. I I feel like that's my easy answer. But for me, my easy answer is God of War. Going into 2018, I was like. This game looks neat, but I don't even know if I'm going to get it this year. I definitely won't get it at launch. I'll kind of just wait for a sale. And then <laughs> Lo and behold. The game, the game came out. You know, There was all those reviews and people talking about the game, and it kind of hyped me up for it. So I, I ended up buying it, I believe, day one or if not shortly thereafter, and playing through the whole game. And I really enjoyed my time with it, and it definitely surpassed my expectations of what I thought it would be, especially since I had I'd beaten uh, God of War 1 and played a lot of God of War 2 and it's obviously a very different game, but yeah, it completely, as far as storytelling, what the game looked like, the gameplay. Yeah. It's like Spider-Man. Building. It's one of those games that everyone has to play. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of two cop-out answers. Those two are two game of like the years. huge, huge <laughs> game of the year yeah. games that everyone has loved. I, I, I will say um, one other quick one is Pac-Man Championship Edition 2. Um, that game is kind of my sleeper hit of the year where didn't really get a lot of promotion or fanfare or mm-hmm. um, a lot of people talking about it. But that is a game that I do consistently come back to um, on my Switch. Um, and it's on other platforms too, but like if you have a Switch, this game is so great because it's just quick, easy, portable, fun. And like there's multiple different modes. Some of the modes will be only about a minute or two rounds. Some of the modes will be... Well, main game is five minutes. There's modes that go up to eight minutes. So like... You can just play in very, very short bursts, like on a lunch break or just while you're waiting for Destiny to load into the tower for two minutes or like, um, it's just a great, really, really fun game. And there's a ton of content and there's leaderboards and everything. And it's, um, just a great little arcade experience. So I love, I love Pac-Man Championship Edition 2. Got to give that game some love too. So. Okay. What about the, uh, inverse? Cause he also said, what about the opposite? Like, is there a game that came out that you had high expectations mm-hmm. for that, it didn't meet your expectations or yeah um I'll, I'll i have one actually so i'll go okay yeah um so one of mine actually and this is kind of a surprise for me is overcooked 2 mm. um i have enjoyed my time with that had a lot of fun but the original game like the game was a lot harder we kind of i feel like i there spent more, more time with it there yeah. was more of a challenge and i got more out of that game and while i enjoyed my time with overcooked 2 and i enjoyed the new kitchens and the throwing mechanic i feel like i didn't enjoy my time quite as much because i had kind of already seen that mechanic at Mm -hmm. at work and um had that surprise the first time and the game just wasn't as challenging and so i didn't get as much enjoyment out of it so i did hear they're doing dlc with more challenging stuff yes i haven't played the. are you you excited for that or you're like this are you kind of said that should have been in the base game i think it's like five bucks and so i'm like oh probably pick it up mario party just came out so i'm sure i'll get it at some point but the fact that i haven't gotten it yet and how cheap it is kind of shows my a little bit of my um low not met expectations for yeah yeah hmm. all right um i think i'll say for me is i don't know this is this is a hard one for me but i feel like it has to be nintendo labo <laughs> 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 which i don't know if that even counts but yeah no i think that's that's a that's totally it's a 
price point of a game. It has games. They've marketed it mm-hmm. as some kind of game thing. So I yeah, think that makes sense. and you know, I think part of it is just it has so many kind of these really cool wow moments and highs when you first start playing it. And the novelty does kind of wear off after a couple of weeks or a month or so after you kind of see everything and you've built it for the first time. Um, the initial magic is super cool, but it definitely doesn't last. So now I'm sitting around with cardboard in my house and in my classroom that's not being used regularly. And um, I will say it's amazing for kids that the kids don't seem to lose interest in it. And mm-hmm. it's awesome to work with kids. But for me, myself personally, it's not really something that I don't think is going to have a ton of staying power unless Nintendo really goes all in with it and brings it into schools and starts an educational program and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, a new label kit released, I think like a couple of weeks ago and it, I didn't see like anything about it. Like it was no, I have very I, no, little I've, fanfare. Everyone I've, everything I've seen from it, a lot of people were like, this mm-hmm. is actually the best labo kit so far. Like the, mm-hmm. the game, wow. but there has been very little coverage of it. Not a lot of people talking yeah, about it. Cause the novelty is starting to wear I've out. I've barely even seen it like in stores and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, um, when Labo first came out, like stores had these whole displays solely dedicated to Labo and those have gone away. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that'll be mine. Um, so, that's uh, pretty much all of our listener questions, but uh, Nathan, you and I are here. We're professionals. We like video games. We listen to the show, too. Exactly. Believe it or not. Uh, do you have any questions that uh, you thought would be fun to talk about? Um, so I guess one of the ones that I had is, um, so we're kind of starting to come towards the end of the generation um, for this console generation, especially for the PS4 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Uh, this fall, the con- both of the consoles will have been out five years. We've heard yeah. rumblings of Xbox Garlic and whatever the next, probably the PS5 and all that stuff. So you say Xbox Garlic? Xbox Garlic. Excuse <laughs> me. Sorry. I, I want a garlic Xbox. <laughs> can't, can't talk tonight. But uh, so my question is, uh, what will the PS4 and Xbox One generation, what will it be remembered for? Like, what's the defining mm-hmm. kind of console thing that we'll be like we'll look back and be like oh yeah that's when this became bigger yeah it's that um i would i want to say games as the platform probably um just i know look myself looking back onto it i'm going to think of primarily games like destiny where mm-hmm. i am always playing online i'm constantly going to people and doing new challenges and you know kind of building and staying in the game world for a very long time where back on previous generations i didn't do that like i I love Smash Bros. Every time you do Smash Bros, I go and I get it. But I'm not like consistently playing the same you know game on any system back on those old old games. Like you know you're moving on to different things. Yeah. Um, so I think just really the online games as a service, always playing games online, uh, is a big part. Which you know we laughed, we made fun of Microsoft when they said Xbox is going to be always online and because that's the future. And we're like, no, it's not. And here we are. Like our systems are always connected to the internet and. Yeah, I know at least for me, half the games I play are, are require online. an internet connection. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with you. That's something that I definitely didn't do on other consoles and have done a lot more on the PS4. Uh, the mm-hmm. other one I have is just the rise of streaming and how big that has become. Um, yeah, even just especially and with like, ca- like yeah. with the PS4 being able to just you can stream. I mean, it's not great, but you can stream natively through your ps4 system and you mm-hmm. can capture any video clip from the last 15 minutes and record it and yeah. upload it to twitter and youtube and all yep. that stuff same with xbox and same uh, with xbox xbox can't... has a better system i think um i haven't mixed with it a lot um it, I, th- I think it's fine it works yeah works fine similar but, um but so, yeah, that yeah. and just the rise of streamer culture and twitch and all of these other things that mm-hmm. have made you know streaming video games that's, such that's, a big that's when it got big, big yeah of of you know yeah. this generation I mean, and that's the one thing that both those things have in common, right? Fortnite. Like, yep. That's what has made streaming so big over the last year. And that's, you know, obviously a game that you're always online, always playing, and the game's always changing and stuff, which, you know, now we're seeing pop up even more uh, since then. So, cool. Um, yeah, that, that, that was a good question. Great. Do you have any, any questions you want to you wanna ask? Yeah. I was already just kind of looking back on kind of the year so far because, you know, a lot of things have come out. We've played lots yeah. of different games. What's the, the system and the game you've played the most this year. So, like, how you? I know you're primarily PS4 and Switch. Like, yeah. which of those two have you played more of this year? You think? Oh my gosh, that's a really. Hard I know question. last year you were definitely Switch. Definitely Switch last year. I myself as well. I definitely played more Switch last this year. This year. Oh my gosh, I I think my answer for game is it's probably Switch, just because I have played so much NBA 2K18 this year. Oh, like I've put right. like almost 200 hours into that game on my Switch, and Dude, I have it on that's Switch. Crazy. So 
that might be it. But as far as like, especially the last overall, I might have played my PS4 more just because Nintendo hasn't had a lot of high, mm-hmm. you know, impact releases that I've been very interested in up to this point in the year. And so instead I've, of Breath they, of the Wild and, and Odyssey, yeah, exactly. Or so Mario I've played like God Mario of Party. War on on my PS4 and played a lot of Destiny 2 lately on my PS4. And um, there's been a couple other um, kind of big big games that I've played yeah. as well. So yeah. I, I've played my PS4 more, I think. But same here. I I've been playing more PS4 on this year as well, which I wasn't really expecting i mean i knew spider-man was coming out i was going to put a lot of time into that but um that's you know a game that you're not playing consistently throughout the entire year probably and so it was ps4 for me uh part of it was um just how much better destiny 2 got because when i launched i played it a lot of then tapered off and wasn't really playing it for a while but they updated that game and forsaken is amazing i'm still finding new content and things to do in that game so definitely ps4 and just destiny 2 for me I've loved a lot of the Switch games that have come out, but like you said, they're not those uh, system seller. Yeah, the, the ins- games I've played really, really on there have been mostly either like smaller indie games that are shorter experiences yeah. versus like Nintendo hasn't released a lot of things that weren't port- Wii U ports this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot, lot of ports that I'm like, oh, it was a fun game, but I'm not paying $60 to play it again on Switch. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and jump straight into uh, what we've been playing this week. Awesome. Um, I kind of want to kick things off with uh, my VR game this week. Oh, yeah. you, you, you So you <laughs> participated in this VR sale last I week. I did. Got a couple games. What do you have to say? Got, got a couple games. My, my games that I picked up was Tumble VR, which is essentially a... Are you a tumbleweed? No. Okay. Not even close. <laughs> this game was published by, by Sony, and it's a very... Um, what looks simple at first but is pretty complex as you play it is basically a puzzle uh, stacking game where you're taking blocks and you're stacking them to a certain height or put them in certain places um it's, it's a very relaxing game it's a casual game like my wife loves this game like and it's great because there's a co-op mode or a versus mode where you can kind of play against each other where one person's like trying to stack and build like a statue basically and then the other player is controlling a drone with the PS4 and is like trying to knock it over and mess with them and stuff. Okay, so, I was gonna say, how does that work? Yeah, no, it's it, it's pretty fun, but it's even just fun to play while one person's playing. You know, I can kind of go, oh, you know, hey, try putting that block over there, and because you can kind of watch on the TV as they're playing and stuff. Um, so that's been a pretty cool game. Uh, I also got Psychonauts: Rhombus of Ruin, which is the basically prequel to Psychonauts 2, which is coming out sometime yeah (laughs) uh but it's a new psychonauts game that's made specifically for vr and i love that world haven't tried it yet i'm really kind of saving that experience for once i've tried out some of the other games um i got spark which is basically like racquetball but you're grabbing the balls and throwing them kind of like a tron like disc fight okay super cool but the game i have to talk about is super hot vr because this game makes you feel like you're like an action like john woo like movie like this hero. is like the matrix game right kind of exactly you're basically in the world it's very simplistic art style everything is basically white um the bad guys are bright like red polygons it, like they look like the fighting polygon team from smash bros just okay. the red instead of purple and basically it almost kind of gives you like a warrior wear like type instruction where the level will just instantly start and it'll say like uh punch or like shoot you way out or hijack the plane or whatever it is. And then basically you're in the room and the cool concept is you'll see usually anywhere from about two to five like red guys scattered kind of throughout the room with you. You're usually in rooms and time only moves when you move. And so if you just stand there and you're like, okay, what am I going to do? As long as you're moving very slow and you're thinking they're going to be like, paused essentially okay but as soon as i like go over and grab like let's say the handgun to my left or the the bottle on my right to smack the guy with they'll start moving as well and so you're constantly kind of planning out your moves and you have the time to think about it but you're moving you're aiming your bullets you're shooting things that people are moving you kind of have to you know time where they're going to be by the time the bullet gets to them you're dodging things and moving and you know like i said if you're moving slow you can see the bullet just go whoo, like matrix style and watch it slowly whiz past your eyes and the 3d effect is like unreal in it and it just 
when you finally kind of get into the game after about a half hour of playing it and you kind of get the flow of how everything works, you just feel like, like a beast. Like you're just like grabbing like dual wielding Uzis and going, eh, then ducking down, running, punching a guy in the face as another guy goes here and you're popping him. And whenever you defeat an enemy, like their gun flies towards you. So like you grab their gun that you like knocked out of their hand and you shoot the next guy. And it's super simplistic, but it's just, it's, it's so much fun to play. It's like the, my favorite VR game already. And I've only had it for like a week. So that is awesome to hear. It sounds like it. a I lot of fun, it. but it's also almost like a puzzle game where you're figuring out kind of, yeah, each, exactly. Each encounter. Like there are definitely parts where I had to keep replaying the same little section over and over because like I was too slow on, you know, killing this one guy and he came up behind me and, and got me or, you know, I, I wasted all my ammo trying to get this one guy and I ran out and the other guy came up and knocked me. So, yep. um, it is super, super fun. You do need a lot of room for it. Like I kind of had to clear out my whole living room of like chairs and toys and stuff. Cause you're literally like, I, there's parts I'm getting down on the floor on my knees to get behind cover. And like, it really embraces the VR aspect where like you can literally move you and have to move. There's one part where I literally just, I kept getting stuck as guy was coming down the hallway, getting me. And then finally I'm like, wait a second. I literally just moved my entire body two feet to the right so i was behind the wall and put my arm out to the side and just blind fired until i shot him oh wow (laughs) and so like there's just parts like that that just you can't get if you're playing you know on a normal controller on a flat tv so yeah really really cool i I love that game neat that that sounds like a lot of fun yeah Uh, i'll let you i'll let you kick back next before i talk about uh talk about the raid that okay okay so um really quick i want to say i played more super mario party and i played the co-op mode where yeah, the party basically mode. the party mode where it's the board is essentially split into a grid grid excuse me and you and your partner each roll a dice and then you get that combined dice move to mm-hmm. move around like to try and get the stars. new 2v2 mode yeah exactly it is really really fun i really enjoyed it mixes up kind of the main mode enough to make it a lot of fun to mm-hmm. kind of strategize a little bit about what you're going to try and do if you're both because if both of you um, get to the start at the same spot you can both buy a star so yeah. you can get more stars so it kind of gives you incentive for staying together but exactly but you can also split apart to mm-hmm. maybe oh, i'm gonna go over here and get an item and you kind of work towards the star or get coins or whatever it is or try and mess up the enemy team so mm-hmm. it's a it's a lot of fun i think it's a really neat addition to to mario yeah Party. it i'm glad that it is a little more in depth and it's not just the exact same experience like yeah. it definitely feels different enough where it is a different experience and you are still getting the the kind of freedom to go kind of wherever you want, but you're working together. And I, I haven't got to play this 2v2 with another, like, with, human yet. With four people. Like, yeah, we got to do that. We got to get four of us together and yeah. I'll do it. Because I feel like there'd be a lot of strategy and just a lot more fun doing that. Because playing the computers was was fun, but I feel like this game would really, really shine with, with four with, people. With which four. which is Mario Party in general, yeah, right? Exactly. But, exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, it, it is it is a pretty cool mode. Yes. But, so, I, well, I have to ask you. Uh, did you ever get frustrated by not being able to land on a space? Because oh my gosh! You're an odd like or an so even many number? times, like there was like two or three different times where me and Ashley, my wife, were playing together, where we would, we were both like near the star, mm-hmm. and we both had like a different role, and so like one of us could get the star, but the other one couldn't at the same time, or I was trying to mm-hmm. get an item space, a certain item space, and like there was two or three times in a role, you know row where i rolled for it trying to get it and i got the wrong yeah. thing and so that was kind of very frustrating <laughs> yeah I, I mean and basically the problem is if you haven't played it and you're listening like you can't stop like you can't stop early if if the star is exactly, exactly four spaces away and i roll a roll a five there's no way i can get it like i can't just stop on the space i have to go land five spaces away so um that part of it is a little tricky i i Feel like it I is might a little get, tricky. I feel like I might get really frustrated. I, I feel like it actually that. contributes to the whole Mario Party vibe of for sure, kind of making sure. you frustrated and being like, "Oh, this is annoying." Having that luck element, to me and having that adding that luck element. Like, it's not Mario Party if you don't get frustrated at least once in the game. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, so yeah, but um, the other game I actually want to talk about is uh, Redbox had a deal this weekend where you could uh, rent a game, a free game for a day. So. <laughs> I was off on Friday and I saw this pop up and I was like, well, I haven't played Spider-Man yet. I'm going to plan, hoping to borrow it from Jeff at some point. Yes. But I haven't done that yet. Yes. So I went and I rented it for a day and played, I think I played it like four or five <laughs> hours or something like that. Like I got to, um, almost basically completed the first act of the game. Yeah. Um, no, if you've played it, you are, you're right, right towards the end of the, the first third of the but game. But 
I started playing it at like I think it was like eleven thirty in the morning or something on Friday, and I can <laughs> I didn't stop it. <laughs> playing it until like five o'clock on Friday night when wow. I had to go somewhere to go out to do something with you. People. Had to stop. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop because we had plans, and my wife would have been like, "What's wrong with you? Where are you?" Yeah, and my side of the story, I get a call from Nathan on I think it was Saturday or Sunday, and he's like, "So I made a mistake," and I'm like, "What? Like what's happening? Are you okay?" He's like. I rented Spider-Man and I had to give it back and I really want to keep playing it. <laughs> yeah. No, it is the the way it kind of puts you, the opening kind of part of the game, the way it kind of teaches you, introduces you to the story and the world and yeah. also teaches you the mechanics. It feels like you're reading the end fighting. of, watching like the end of a Spider-Man movie with like exactly. how the game starts. It feels, and the other thing I've noticed, it just feels so perfectly paced where you're doing certain story missions, but along the way, there's enough collectibles kind of to be like, oh, I'm going to stop and pick that up or I'm going to do the side mission mm-hmm. or whatnot, but it's not ever so much where it feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And just and the locomotion and the way you move, the swinging in this game. Is the web swinging is so, so amazing. Like, <laughs> like you can't I, say it enough, right? <laughs> a, like a little bit before I, I had to give it back, I unlocked fast travel and I was like, why would I ever fast travel in this game? Like I can just swing <laughs> across the city and do some stuff on, on the way and have a lot more fun doing that. Totally. So it is just a really good game. I am itching to get back to it and play it, um, kind of play it and play through the rest of the game. So, nice. Yeah. I, so you're enjoying kind of the story bits too. Yeah, no, the story, the story is really interesting so far. I think, um, I think I can kind of see where it's going, but mm-hmm. I think it, bring the writing is really well done like i didn't feel like it was super corny or cheesy or over the top except for where appropriate with spider-man it, it was definitely a step up from the the cheesy corniest and like not serious vibes of you know ratchet and clank yeah. and like sunset overdrive it like you said it does have the appropriate amount of jokes and humor in the writing like and sonic's great at that but it also does have you know some just really good storytelling yes, and, and it, serious it's, beats it's as done well. a pretty good job of introducing me to different characters and kind of I can see where they're starting to tie those characters together, and I'm interested to see how those kind of come together yeah. and contribute to the main plot. Yeah, that, that's the magic of this game is you know these characters, you know like what they are usually in the comics or movies that you've seen, but just kind of watching the different take of them and how that kind of unravels is kind of I think the joy of this game. You yes. don't the journey of it is really really exciting and has a lot of surprises uh, along the way that you haven't even seen yet. So it's. It's it's uh it's awesome. I'm so awesome. glad so glad you're playing it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, so you played you oh, played some yeah. else this week, right? Yeah. If you were uh, paying attention on Twitter this weekend, decided to finally hit up Destiny 2's new raid, The Last Wish. Um, so together we assembled a fire team of uh, five five. Uh, I someone fire team of five friends, so there were six of us total, and uh, basically we went into this. Raid going, we've heard, you know, how hard this is. It took the first team, you know, what, 18 hours to beat. Um, we're just really expecting to beat the first encounter. and So you weren't trying to, like, finish the exactly. entire raid in, we, in one week? I was realistic. I'm like, the well, from what I've heard, it's one of the hardest, most complex, long raids. So I heard there were six encounters. So I'm like, I want to beat the, at least the first one and, you know, maybe give the second one a good shot. Um, and in that one night I streamed it, I think it was about a four or five hour stream, we beat the first encounter on basically our second go. So like right away, which was amazing. And then the second encounter took us a while, but uh, it was just an insane encounter, but we beat that one. And so we got to the third encounter um, on that first night. And then we came back to it the next day. We all reassembled, wasn't able to beat it again, came back a third night and beat it on our second go. And we like, this felt awesome. Just being like, we've been stuck on this boss all weekend. And we finally came back and did it. we, like we wrecked it when we beat it. It, yeah. was, it just felt really, really good and just felt so accomplished. Uh, felt so accomplished when you beat it for the first time. And it just, there's something said about, you know, feeling accomplished in games is one thing, but like feeling that sense of accomplishment with a team of five other people that you've spent 10 hours with, you know, just Working gives you on this. Yeah, yeah. It just is this awesome uh, feeling that you get. And um, what I really like is all three of the first encounters um, have, bosses in them like destiny 2's original raid like you know like leviathan really there's only a boss at the very very end yeah the rest of them are kind of all like puzzle and mechanic heavy yeah exactly um which you know those can be fun but what i really want to and what i've loved in you know destiny raids previously in destiny one was there were these big baddies that you're taking down along the way and 
uh, you know, to get to the big final boss. And so every encounter had a boss that you were damaging and doing different things to. Um, and there's puzzle elements and different cool things along the way, but you're still, you know, killing these, you know, giant creatures that look terrifying and stuff. Like the third one, just this massive ogre that just has this giant thing on its back. And it's just one of the coolest kind of enemies I'd seen in destiny up to that point. So really, really loved the experience and just insane, insane amount of polish and, things have gone to this game like this shows me like what Bungie's capable of when they have a year off you know craft an amazing raid experience and so i'm really really loving it. i'm excited to jump back into it and i, I think we've kind of got the mechanics and got our brains wrapped around it where we can you know beat them again kinda pretty quickly now yeah encounters quickly. and we kind of hit the point uh-huh. where in the fourth one we only tried a couple times uh which i think we could have done it but we some of us myself included weren't really high enough power level at that point because it kind of gets harder as they you go scale along. As they, as they get, yeah they and get so i think raid. you know we play another week or two and just kind of naturally progress our gear and stuff we'll be able to knock that next couple parts out pretty easily but uh, yeah it's it is awesome there is some crazy amount of jumping in i was there, gonna say I'm my sorry. question is is there <laughs> like crazy jumping puzzles in in the raid um that there is in in one sense of it but on another sense uh, like the second encounter specifically I'm thinking of, there's a couple parts where you do have to kind of jump up and go on things, but a lot of times there's rolls. So you designate rolls. And so um, usually there's going to be two or three different roles during the encounter. Like, Hey, yeah. we need these people to pick the orbs up and these people to stand over here and shoot these guys. And so um, you can definitely kind of differentiate the roles uh, based on, Cycle based on, different based on sets. your, yeah. Based on your skill set and what you'd rather do and stuff. So, um, that is kind of cool. And I think, I think you'll, you'll really like it once you get in there. Cause it's just, it's so nuts with what they have you doing in there with how many enemies are on screen. And when you get a whole team working together, uh, chaining their supers and stuff, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps up our show here this week. And, uh, yeah. Any, uh, closing words you wanted to say, Nathan? No, uh, video games are great, and I am excited for <laughs> you are. know the next couple, the next month or so as we kind of finish up and get some more great games yep. out. All right, well, we will leave you guys with the opening theme to the original Pokemon Red and Blue Game Boy game. Enjoy a trip back memory lane, and we'll see you guys next week. Gotta catch them all. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>